So we want to look in God's Word tonight. What an exciting evening it is. What an exciting season we are in. You know, you know someone asked me as we were approaching the fall feast uh, time of the year, Pastor, are you going to talk about the fall feast again? I said, how can I not? How can I not? How can you study God's Word and leave that part out? That, that all of that God has given to us and laid out for us and, and showing us picture after picture and feast after feast and type and shadow, all pointing to Jesus and His redemptive work in this earth for you and me. It was all for us. These feasts were all about us. Praise God. So tonight we're going to look at the Feast of Yom Kippur because believe it or not, it's coming up. It'll be this sundown this Friday. So what's today? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sundown till sundown Saturday will be Yom Kippur, the Feast of Atonement, the most holy feast of all, the Holy of Holies, you might would say. And, and it's just an exciting time of the year that God so wanted to put on our calendar every year that, that we would come to these God-appointed times to before Christ to see what He was going to bring to us and now to us after Christ has come and redeemed us to show God's plan has always been to redeem us, has always been to bless you, has always been to have a cure for the curse of your sin. It's always been His plan for you to have a way out and a way up and a way through. That's always been His plan. Hallelujah. What a good God. All good and perfect gifts come from the Father above, the Bible says. So, so in these feasts, if we look at them together here, just to give a little synopsis again of the seven feasts that the Lord uh, shows us in the Scripture, we see in the beginning we have over here Passover, and, uh, and then these are the four spring feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. And uh, then we have, after uh, 50 days, we have Pentecost, which would be Feast of Weeks here. So what has happened is we see the death of Christ fulfills the Passover. He's the Passover lamb. His blood was shed to bring us up out of bondage, to bring us out of uh, the slavery that, like the Israelites were in Egypt, into the promised land. Uh, the unleavened bread, it's no coincidence that while they're having unleavened bread, that Jesus' sinless body is being buried uh, in that tomb. And then on the third day, he raised, he's raised from the dead, the resurrection. Praise God. And that's first fruit. And the Bible says he is the first fruit of the, uh, from the grave, meaning that you and I who believe will have these bodies resurrected as well. That's why the Bible says in Thessalonians that the dead in Christ shall rise first and the, the, us, us who remain uh, shall be caught up to meet with the Lord in the air and forever be with Him. That God has a plan for your body, spirit, and soul. Now Paul says now after Christ to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we know anyone who dies, their, their spirit man goes immediately into the presence of God because Jesus has made a way. The veil has been opened up and the Holy of Holies is now open to all of us through the blood of Jesus Christ. But God's got a plan for your body too. You say, well, my body's wearing out. Well, it's going to get the glorification through the resurrection that, that only God can do. Jesus, he said, Jesus said, as I am, so you will be. So his resurrected body could walk through a closed door, but yet Thomas could put his hands in touch and feel. He could sit by the seashore and cook fish. You remember he prepared the meal for the disciples after his resurrection. So, so you'll still be able to cook, ladies. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, with a resurrected body. 
Yes, the ladies keep pushing that because we men, we're going down the sand bridge. We've got a $3 million mansion that's right there on the ocean. Man, this thing's got an indoor pool, an outdoor pool. It's got a gym inside. It's got a 15-seat luxury uh, theater. It's got bedrooms and like 10 bedrooms and 11 bathrooms and elevator. Right, and the ocean waves are almost licking up at the, the deck there. So, but we got to cook. We got to cook. And uh, unless we can talk them into coming and cooking for us. <laughs> but we're going to have a good time, I can tell you that. So men, the end of next month, go ahead and make sure you go on the website and uh, get signed up. We're, we're, we're praying and believing God for 50 men. We've never had 50 men at our men's advance, but this year we're going to have 50 men. Brother Lamar, you, you agree with me? You got, Brother Howe, you agree with me? Brother Tom, you'll agree with me? 50 men. 50 men. What? 55. <laughs> I like Brother Lamar. He's the coach enemy, so let's just go a little bit further. Amen. So praise God. So, so then we know 50 days after that, we came, the Holy Spirit came on um, the day of Pentecost and filled them in the upper room with the Holy Spirit and power. And they began to preach the word with effectiveness. 3,000 are saved. The church is birthed. That's why this is the church age, because the Holy Spirit came to birth the church. Now we are to operate in power, shining the light of God's love and power and His goodness and mercy and salvation message around the world, getting as many saved as we can and living the blessed life that God has. But that's not the end. When we step away from there into the fall feast that are yet to be fulfilled in fullness, we had just last Wednesday at sundown was Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets. As, uh, the trumpets had been blowing for 30 days. The shofar had been blowing, saying, wake up, wake up, make preparation, get ready, get ready. And then the first day of Tishri, that was last Wednesday, September the 20th at sundown, uh, Rosh Hashanah ushered in a new year, the year 5,778. That's, that's God's calendar. That's the Hebrew calendar. 5,778 years since Adam was created. And, uh, and so that was like our January 1 it's, uh, at, at midnight. This is the new year. That, and God measures through the scriptures the Sabbaths. He measures the first fruit offerings. He measures uh, how he's doing things uh, supernaturally for the next year in and through the Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. So now from, from that, uh, sundown last Wednesday, going up to 10 days forward are the 10 days of awe. And those 10 days of awe is continually an opportunity for us to take and look at ourselves and examine ourselves and see if we're right with God and if everything in this new year is moving in the right direction. And then on that 10th day at sundown, which will be this Friday at sundown, we move into the Day of Atonement, uh, Yom Kippur, and that's what we're talking about tonight, preparing for the Day of Atonement, which is this Friday at sundown. And then following that will be the Feast of Tabernacles, and that is the Feast of Booths or Feast of Sukkot. And we're going to be talking about a lot going forward in that where God comes and tabernacles or comes back to this earth. The rapture, he's going to call the church out of this earth and spare us from the judgment that's going to come on the sin and the obstinate spirits and the, and the individuals that turn against God. And Israel that has not turned to Christ is going to see the supernatural workings of God in the fulfillment of Scripture. And the Bible says they're going to turn and they're going to see 
see. He's the one that we uh, pierce, and they're going to turn their affections to Jesus Christ as Messiah. So tribulation period, we're, we're going to be in heaven there with the Lord. But then the Bible says uh, after that seven years of tribulation, Jesus is coming back for the second coming, and he's going to be on this earth, and he's going to tabernacle with us. That's why we have the Feast of Tabernacles. He will tabernacle with us for a thousand years. And he says, we who are with him will come with him to rule and reign. You've got work to do throughout eternity. You're not going to float on a cloud and, and, and get fat just eating marshmallows, okay? You got, we got work to do. We're going to work throughout eternity, but it's going to be good. It's going to be glorified, and it's going to be truly anointed of the Lord. So a lot of people, they say, you know, if we have Jesus, why in the world do we have to remember these times? And I tell people, we, we don't need to, but we get to. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd like to explain it like this. We don't, we don't need to remember Resurrection Sunday. We don't need to remember Easter, right? Because Jesus is already raised from the dead. But isn't it good to remember what Jesus did for us? Come on now. We don't have to remember Christmas, but isn't it good for us to remember just how much God loved us that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ? So, so we don't need to remember these feasts to be a Christian, but re remembering them doesn't make you a Christian, but I'm absolutely convinced it makes us a better Christian because we know where we're at. We know the signs of the times. We know what God is doing, and with that understanding, we have greater faith. Uh, you know, uh, this word feast in itself means an appointed time with God. So God set these feasts up to have appointments on every year's calendar so that we as people would not be distracted and forget about the great plan of salvation that God has for the world. So on this Friday at sundown, for 24 hours, we have the feast of Yom Kippur. And this is an appointed time that God has decided to meet with us in a way different than other times in the year. Now, we teach our children on the 4th of July, we remember... Uh, this nation, okay, and we remember uh, what it means and, and, and the freedom and the independence of, from tyranny that was declared and how we have freedom to worship and freedom uh, uh, to serve the Lord in, in this great land of the United States of America. We teach our children the Pledge of Allegiance and we teach our children to honor uh, veterans who have fought and, and for our lives and to give us the great freedom that we have. And so we have all of these times on our calendar where we remember and we teach our children and, and, uh, to do this. But does learning the Pledge of Allegiance make us an American? No. Does remembering the 4th of July make us an American? Does honoring uh, the, our veterans make us an American? The answer is no. But I say, does it make us better Americans? And I say, yes, it does, because we remember that our freedom is not free, that somebody was willing to stand up and fight for the liberty that we rejoice and, and enjoy every day. Somebody say amen. There, there's just something about remembering. There's just something about it. Jesus initiated what we call communion, you know, holy communion. And he said, as often as you do this in what? Remembrance of me. And there we, we have like the Passover uh, in, in short, a short form that he initiated and we remember what Jesus has done for us. So, so we have been going through since last Wednesday and into this Friday something that goes beyond just remembering. 
It's a spiritual new time for God to write your name in what's called, and the Bible talks about this, this book of blessing that God every year writes about you in. I wonder what he's been writing about you last year. I'd like to be able to read in that. But now he's writing as we're going into this new year in the book of blessing, things that I believe that, that it's like his word over us. That this next year, that the windows of heaven will be opened over your life. When I read what God has written in times past and given us glimpse of, that it would be that the windows of heaven would be open over your life, over your family, over your finances, over your health, over your future, and that you would, you would just begin to enjoy the blessings of God for this, this whole coming year. See, for 40 days leading up to uh, Friday, there's been marked with the blowing of the shofar every day, 30 days up to, to Rosh Hashanah, and now 10 days going into uh, this Feast of Atonement. And the sound of the trumpet is like a wake-up call. It's like, check yourselves, check yourselves. Uh, you know, are you serving God? Are you living for God? Are you, are you believing in Jesus? Are you, are you doing what God's called you to do? Are you being the light of the world? Are you being the salt of the earth? Are you being a good neighbor? Are you reaching out in, in, in love and helping those that are less fortunate? So for 40 days, God's had the shofar blowing and blowing, sounding off every day because God wanted to wake up everyone so that we would align ourselves with Him. And the reason is so that he could bless us with the payment of the sacrifice of his son for us, which for us is the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank God for his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, where he shed his blood seven places to give us wholeness and completeness and favor for the blessings that came. For 40 days, this trumpet has been sounding. Now, when you study in the Scripture, you find that the number 40 is a very important number. It was 40 days and 40 nights that it rained when Noah was in the ark. It was 40 days that Moses fasted to intercede on Mount Sinai for the children of Israel. It was 40 days that the 12 spies spied out the land of Cana. It was 40 days that Goliath stood and challenged the children of Israel before David came and took his headship away. It was 40 days that Jonah warned Nineveh of judgment that was coming. It was 40 days that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. It was 40 days that Jesus was seen in pure white linen after the resurrection before He ascended into the heavens to be with the Father to intercede for you and to intercede for me. And now for 40 days, the shofar has been sounding off. 30 days leading up the Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, and now 10 days of all going to this Friday at sundown, the Day of Atonement. Now, 40 days, why, one might ask. Well, I believe the answer or part of the answer is this. Contrary to what you've been taught in the past by maybe well-meaning people, God is not looking to catch you in a mistake so that He can crush you. He is not doing that. He's not up in heaven with a lightning bolt of judgment ready, just waiting and anticipating to catch you slip up so that He can fry you. That's not the true God. He is constantly warning us. 
He is saying, get right. Get right with me. Get right with your spouse. Get right with your children. Get right with your parents. Get right with your neighbor. And he's been saying, get right. That's why the shofar for 40 days has been saying, you need to get right. Get right. And the reason why is because that Goliath in your life is going down. And the power of resurrection is coming up. And the promised land is really yours. And it does flow with milk and honey. It may be storming around a lot of people, but he's trying to get us into the ark of safety. He wants to bless his children. He wants to pour his favor out on us. So he's been having the trumpet for 40 days. Say, wake up, wake up. Get yourself in alignment with your God because your God wants to write you in the book of blessing and release favor and protection out over you like none other in this upcoming year. Hallelujah. Now what confuses a lot of Christians is this, that now that we have Jesus, we say we don't need to do that anymore. Now that we have Jesus, we who were strangers and foreigners and had no covenant, we now have Jesus and and we have His covenant. We get to partake of the promises of God. But let me tell you what, part of the promises of God is that your name be written in the book of blessing for the upcoming year. Jesus died that you might be blessed. He took on poverty that the curse of poverty might come off of you on Him so that the blessing of prosperity would come off of Him on you. And you want to live in poverty so that you're spiritual or like Jesus? Well, Jesus took stripes upon His back for your healing. Go, let's tie you to a whipping post and let us beat the the, the skin off of your flesh so that you can be healed. You, you say that Jesus shed His blood and, and through a broken heart with a spear that showed forth water and blood flowing out to heal our broken heart. But you want to be like Jesus so that we can take a spear and pierce your side and let the broken heart of blood and water flow out? No! He did that so that we might be redeemed. That's why He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We can't pay for our sin. He paid for it. We can't pay for our wrongdoing. He paid for it. So we are to fall in love with Him and we ought to surrender our lives to Him and we ought to want to live live for Him and serve Him and if He likes it when we get together and worship and He likes it when we get together and clap our hands and He likes it when we get together and raise our hands and He likes it when we get together and shout and He likes it when we get together and study His Word then by all means we ought to get together and we ought to put our hands together and we ought to lift them up and we ought to shout glory! Glory, hallelujah, praise God. We are getting into the scripture in Leviticus chapter 16, beginning at verse 3. I'd like for us to look together here. It says, thus Aaron shall come into the holy place. This is this Friday evening coming at sunset into the day of atonement. This is what would take place in times of old. Aaron would come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. And he shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with a linen turban. He shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. So before the high priest could go in and intercede for the people, he had to make sure that he was first clean. Is what he was saying here. You know, I believe it needs to be sounded in the 21st century that ministry needs to be clean. 
I think we ought to sound that and unashamedly demand that God's word be lived out. That ministry needs to be clean. Yes, we're saved by grace and not works, lest any man should boast. But, you know, I, I, need, I believe we need to realize that, that drugs and abuse and adultery and fornication and dishonesty and greed and, and all of these things need not be in the lives of a royal priesthood of all believers. Normally I would say just the pulpit, but you know what? God is not just called the pulpit. He's called every one of us to be ministers. Every one of you are a royal priesthood in and through Christ Jesus. You are to represent as an ambassador the royalty of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Every one of you are royalty. But you're also a priest, the scripture says, now in and through Christ. He has atoned for you. He has anointed you. He has appointed you. And he has sent us out as missionaries and sent us out as servants of his kingdom and his righteousness as ministers of the gospel. Away with the day that let the pastor pray for me, then something will happen. I say let a believer pray for me and the same thing will happen because the same anointing the pastor operates under uh, when he prays for you is the same anointing that that believer is operating on when they pray for you when it comes to prayer. Now when it comes to an equipping gift like preaching or teaching, maybe that's different, but let me tell you what, the same power of the Holy Ghost that is in me can be, flow through a three-year-old, through a five-year-old, through a ten-year-old. There's no junior Holy Ghost, and there's no white Holy Ghost, there's no black Holy Ghost, there's no Hispanic Holy Ghost, there's no old, too old Holy Ghost. And you can take the oldest to the youngest, you can take each and every one of us, and if we would be open to the flow of the power and the Spirit of God from heaven to earth, let me tell you what, God can touch people through our lives. Hallelujah. So the message here in verses 3 and 4 is that before you preach to someone else, make sure you preach first to yourself. Practice what you preach. Away is the day, I would say, of hypocrisy, where you expect something from someone else that you've not already succeeded in, that you would point your finger at someone else and there is a moat in your eye and you're trying to get the speck out of their eye. You say, but I've been called of God to get the speck out of their eye. Well, then fulfill the full purpose of God where he says, first get the moat, get the telephone pole out of your eye so that you can assist someone to get a speck out of their eye. Yes, Aaron had to be washed. He had to be cleansed. And verse 5 said he should take for the, from the congregation of the children of Israel two kid goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is from himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fire, and bring it inside the veil. 
And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger. How many times? Seven times. Now, the east side, that's not a part of town here. The east side, if you'll remember, that all of Eden was not a garden. The Bible says that the garden was in the east part of Eden. And this speaks of abundance. And it has to do with sins forgiven, where God is not just an El just get by, He is also El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. That's what that means. He's the God of abundance. And he, he even in the way Aaron had to sprinkle the blood on the east side, God is reminding us every year He's the God El Shaddai, the God of abundance, the God of more than enough. If seven billion people were to bring their greatest needs to Him and pull on Him all at one time, not even the lights of heaven would dimmer or blink, or blink one bit. And He would take care of it all and still have more than enough. So he sprinkles the blood on the east side and he sprinkles the blood with his finger also seven times. Look at verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering which is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. In other words, the, the offering for uh, the abundance and the offering for sin and the offering for atonement and the offering for the blessings of God was for Aaron and his house and it was also for all the people. So God is not wanting to lift up ministry or ministers in any way because he's choosing them first, but in order for them to be qualified, they've got to, you know, they, we've got to be quantified, you might would say, uh, where we come and we've got to have a relationship with God. And we've got to walk in the revelation of God in order to lead others in the revelation of God. So it's for everyone with his finger seven times, cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and on the altar, he shall bring that live goat. Aaron shall lay both hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all of their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and he shall send the goat away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. And the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities, to an un uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So here's Aaron now putting his hands on this scapegoat, the one that the lot fell to that he will live, and he's confessing these two things over this scapegoat. He is confessing all of the people's iniquities, and he is confessing all of their transgressions. You remember the Bible says Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities, whereas transgressions represent our sin, our outward sin, but iniquities is that broken fault line that's underneath the surface of the skin, that weakness, that temptation, that thing that is eating at you, that thing that you fall into if you're not careful, that thing that rides onto you, whether it's sickness in your body, heart disease, cancer, or diabetes, or whatever it may be from 
generation to generation or a temptation to the lost and the falling into the slavery of an, of an, of an addicted nature. Whatever it is, that is an iniquity. He is taking care of the iniquity, the family curses. He's taking care of the sin that you've committed as well, confessing that over this live goat. I'm glad God's not just concerned about the outward sin, but he concerned about the heart of us as well. Breaking the curse of sin that ushers in the brokenness in our lives. So then he sprinkles his, takes the blood seven times on the altar representing the seven places Jesus released his blood to redeem us in those areas of our life. Now what's going on here? I mean, this is, this is quite a picture. We could make a movie of this. Peter might not allow us to take care of the altar and the sacrifices there, but, but uh, you know what? We, there was a lot of bloodshed. But here's a goat that did not have to die. He gets, he, gets his, he gets confessed over, and he gets sent blood on his head, but he's sent out. Well, the first thing I see going on here is we have to realize that the God we serve first and foremost, is represented over and over here as our Father. It is our Father's good pleasure to reconcile us to Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, is what He tells us in Colossians 1, 19 and 20. So it's God's good pleasure to reconcile us to Himself in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. So God wants to bring that which is broken back and make it fixed in your life. He wants every area of pain and every area of, 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 of brokenness to, to be healed and to be repaired in your life. In preparing for tonight, when my kids came home from school and one came home from work and, and his classes, and they said, Daddy, I had to stop everything. These are my babies. Caleb's telling me about what he did today at school, and Morgan is updating me, and Townsend is giving me details on his day's experience. And, 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 you know, no matter what I had to do, these are my babies. I'm their daddy. And the Bible says that it is a wicked comparison when we compare just how much an earthly father loves his children to how much our heavenly father loves us. He didn't say it's wicked that the earthly father loves his son, but as much as an earthly father loves his son and his daughter, he says it's wicked in comparison to how much more he loves us. That when we cry out to him, we are to cry out, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. Abba, Father, I have a need. And he'll stop making universes and stop creating worlds, and he's going to stop everything and say, quiet, 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 my babies are here. Abba, Father. You, you must realize that. Yes. That, that God who is omnipotent, all-powerful, and God who is omnipresent every place at all times and omniscient knows everything, you don't ever forget He's also your daddy. You hear me? He's our Father. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Daddy, Father. Hallelujah. Abba, Father. Uh, the, the, this is so important that we understand this, that all that God has set up on the Day of Atonement in all of these feasts is for our good. It is for our good. The rabbis teach concerning the Day of Atonement that God's love is so, so great that while He hears us every day of the year, that He chose in a way that we can't even understand, but He chose that on this day, He's going to be yet even nearer to us than every other day of the year. Wow. 
He's going to be even closer to us. You know, we say that's not possible, but he chose that he's going to be closer to setting up his kingdom, closer to to, uh, bringing us into the place where there's no more sorrow and no more lack and no more pain, that on this day he's closer to doing that than any other time of the year. Wow! This Friday, sundown. Yom Kippur is the shadow of the second coming. He's coming back. It's not the rapture that his, Jesus does not come back to earth. We meet him in the air uh, at Rosh Hashanah. And then that lasted for three days. But now seven days had passed, making it the ten days. Those seven days represent the tribulation. And coming on Yom Kippur is when he's coming back, the second coming, to establish his kingdom, to rule and to reign where there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more lack, there will be no more pain. And the Bible goes on and on to describe that. Hallelujah. So these feasts, these appointed times, is is our God saying, while I am your God, I am Lord every day of the week, but I need you to take special time in every year and I need you to come up closer. I need you to be moving, uh, moving closer to me and paying more attention to my plan. And he says, and I'll reveal to you. He's like, come up, come here, come here, come here. He'll reveal things to you you've never known before. This is the season of next level living. This is the season where your health is going to the next level for you who will claim it. This is the season that your wealth, that to serve the Lord with wealth. We're not talking about the greed of this world, but to serve the Lord with wealth will move to the next level. If, you, if you're, if you're going to hear what God is showing you, He's got revelation. You say, well, I thought I knew everything. How foolish of you to even think that. God has deeper and deeper and higher and higher and wider and wider. We will never be able to fully grasp all of the awesomeness and the love and the power and the wisdom of God. But he's got more and more and more and more for you. And and he says during these times, he says, what is on you all year? He says, when it comes to these feasts, it multiplies. You want multiplied favor? You want multiplied anointing? You want multiplied wisdom? You want multiplied strength? You want multiplied healing? Come on now. He says it multiplies during this time. God says, I just want you to come and study and learn of me. So here we have the high priest Aaron, and only on this day he wears this white linen outfit. And they bring in these two goats, and he casts a lot to see which one falls on the one for the Lord and which one falls on the one for the scapegoat. And one is taken to the temple, and that one is laid on the brazen altar, and his blood is shed, and the sacrifice there is for the sins of God's people, is what the Word says. While the sacrifice of the goat, the high priest, uh, he's wearing those white linens, and while he's making that sacrifice, you can only imagine that blood splatters on that outfit which then makes him impure, not clean, untouchable. So before he can go into the Holy of Holies, he removes the white linen and he hangs it in plain view for everybody to see. Here's this bloody linen cloth hanging there, all bloody and stained, which represents the stain of sin. Now normally, if it wasn't the Feast of Atonement, he would just wash his hands, but being that he is now to represent the whole body, They wash him from head to toe. And the Bible is very specific that every part of his body has to be scrubbed and make sure that there's not one speck of blood on him. 
I'm telling you, the moment Jesus died on the cross and every one of us who will place our faith in Him, our sin is washed away and the devil can't find one speck of it ever again. Hallelujah. This is all pointing and explaining to us what is ours in Christ. So, so the white blood-stained robe, it hangs there for everyone to see, showing them the cost of our freedom, that the wages of sin is death, that the sacrifice died and shed its blood for us to live. And, and the high priest is now washed from head to toe, and they put fresh linens on him. The Bible just, we just read. And now he appears before the people with all of these fresh linen and they can see the blood-stained linen robe that they deserve hanging there, but they also can now see the high priest with the fresh, spotless white linen showing the mercy of God. Wow, there's Isaiah 1 and 18, very obvious for us to see. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is a, this is a, a Yom Kippur scripture. They're looking and they're seeing the bloody linen and they're seeing the white linen and though, linen and though this bloody one, that's what you deserve because of the mercy and the grace of God. This is what you're getting. Hallelujah. Now get this. The high priest has not yet gone into the Holy of Holies, so he says, do not touch me, for I have not yet been to the Father. Wow, that sounds familiar, right? He must be pure, he must be clean, so that he can enter into the Holy of Holies and make intercession for all of mankind. And if you know your Bible, and I know that you do, when Jesus died and they took him off of the cross and they covered him with fine linen, the same linen that the high priest wore, and they wrapped his body, that same one that, that got the blood of the goat got on was the same linen that now had the blood of Jesus soaked through it. But the Bible tells us on the third day when Mary came to find him and Peter Peter and John came in, they looked and they saw the bloody linen there, but the Lord was not there anymore. And then they looked and they saw him and he was alive and he was what? Dressed in white linen. Do you see this? Do you see this? And they saw that as the sin stayed in the grave and the power of his resurrection now was released to everyone who would believe. And he said, don't touch me for I've not yet been with the Father. You remember he tells me. Wow. The high priest then would dip his fingers as he's been redressed now into the blood of the sacrifice and he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle on the Ark of the Covenant seven times, the Bible says. Also to the east side, representing that, that abundance and that where, where it's just a garden of, of uh, supernatural flow into our lives. Now remember, he was only allowed into the Holy of Holies this one day out of the year. Normally it's covered and, and blocked off from everybody by a curtain that's about three feet thick. If you remember, it's that same curtain that when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain, the Bible says, that horses could not rip apart, was ripped from heaven to earth, and God then opened up the Holy of Holies to all of mankind because it was no longer the blood of a bull or the blood of a goat, but it was the blood of the Lamb of God who was a once and for all sacrifice for each and every one of us. But on this day of Yom, Yom Kippur, they would remove that three-foot curtain and they would put this veil up so that you could see through it. You could see the Holy of Holies in shadow through it. 
And the Shekinah glory of God, as the Spirit of God would hover over the Ark of the Covenant, they could see the power of God. They could see the presence of God. Hallelujah. See, I'm here to tell you God's more real than you think He is. God is more real and more powerful than you're giving Him credit. And He wanted them to see that. He wanted them to see that. Now remember, sins have already been cleansed and atoned for, but yet he goes and he sprinkles the blood seven times, releasing the blessing of the seven places over everybody's life for the whole next year. That you be healed, that you be delivered, that your broken heart be healed, that authority comes back, that dominion comes back, curse of poverty is broken off of you. Hallelujah. All of that, that by his stripes you're healed, all those seven, those seven uh, 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 drips of blood was for that. Our sins are forgiven. We've got a great things to look forward going into this year. This was all done. But that took care of the sin part. But what about the curses that linger? That hidden thing that's underneath the surface and you clean up the pig, but the pig goes back to the mud. What about that curse? Well, when he would come out of the Holy of Holies, then he would take that second goat that the lot fell on for the scapegoat and he would place his hands on his head and he would begin to confess all of the iniquities and the transgressions over that goat. Here's that twofold redemption. If you remember when Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And, and if you remember, Peter gave a Yom Kippur answer. And that Yom Kippur answer was, he says that thou art the Christ, the Son of a living God. Look at that scripture in Matthew here. It is the Christ, the Christos, the Christ, the anointed one, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the living God. So Peter's giving a Yom Kippur answer. He didn't even know it. And Jesus says, you sure didn't know it because man didn't reveal that to you. But your Father in heaven, my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. There's a Yom Kippur answer that the, the Christ, the anointing, not only lifts the burden, but it breaks the yoke off of your neck as well. Hallelujah. So they would, this is what he's confessing over this goat. He's confessing that the burdens be removed and the yokes be destroyed, that the iniquities and the transgressions go out into these dry places. So they would run the goat out into the wilderness and they would put blood on him and send him out. And uh, it kind of reminds me of what Jesus, when he said, cast the demon out and he goes into desert places. And if it comes back and finds the door still open, he's going to come back in seven of his friends as well. But if that goat went into the wilderness and he died in the wilderness, it was a sign that the curse was broken. But if that goat made its way back into the, into the town there, it brought the curse back with him multiplied. Now you would say, how would they know if the goat died? Well, they took and tied a crimson ribbon on the door of the tabernacle and if it miraculously turned white as snow, they knew the goat was dead and the curse was not coming back that year. When the crimson ribbon turned snow white, they said the curse is dead. We've got a good year ahead of us. Now, now watch this. In the Jewish Mishnah, it's their book of wisdom. Sometimes it turned white and sometimes it didn't. And they recorded that. There's a history of where year after year they would record when it turned white or when it did not. But in the Mishnah, it is written that 40 years before the destruction of the temple, which the Roman Empire had destroyed in 70 A.D., 40 years before its destruction, it says that the ribbon never turned white again. 
And they took and they took that timeline and it correlated right with the sacrifice of the Son of God on a place called Mount Calvary. So no longer was what the goat did going to take the curse away. It was what Jesus did that has taken the curse away to everyone who has faith to believe and receive that curse-free life that He has for us. Hallelujah. So when Peter gives this Yom Kippur answer, you are the Christ, the burden-removing and the curse-destroying power of the living God. That's what Jesus says, now I'm going to build my church on this and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Look at this next slide here and you'll see the full uh, 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 correlation of that where he says, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, uh, Simon Barjon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven and I also say to you that you are Peter now if you understand Greek here he's saying that you are a little pebble you are a little Petros you're a little pebble but on this rock of a Petra which is a massive mountain of a rock which is the revelation you just got this Yom Kippur revelation you just got he said upon this Yom Kippur revelation I'm gonna build my church I'm gonna build my church on what we're studying here tonight he says and the gates of hell will be powerless against my church the gates of hell will not be able to keep back the onward forces and the marching orders of my church because my church got a Yom Kippur understanding and revelation the curse is gone the sin has been atoned for I've been given power I've been given glory I've been given anointing I've been given a call I've been given a mission I am now a royal priesthood. I've been brought into this uh, with the power of the Spirit of God, this thing called the church, uh, an ecclesia, and it's not about religion, uh, and it's not about looking nice, uh, and it's not about impressing anybody, but it is to be a warrior. It is to be a powerhouse. It is to be a devil stomping, uh, taking back what the devil stole, uh, redeeming uh, a ministry of the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ here on planet Earth and we're not to stand in our corners shy and we're not to hold our heads down uh, being timid. Uh, he has not given you the spirit of timidity. That fear is not from Him, but what He has given you, He said, uh, is a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And it's church time the church rises up to be the powerhouse He's called you to be, walking in the love that He has instructed and that you and I might have a disciplined mind that we don't get off course by every lie and accusation the devil brings, but we keep our, you might would say, we keep our nose to the plow. We continue to move forward and advance the kingdom of God and to live the life that God has called us to live, shining like a light and preserving like salt in such a way that the world can be turned right side up by the people of God. He's building His church on the Yom Kippur revelation. So I thought on this Wednesday night, what better thing for us to dig in and get a better understanding of our Yom Kippur blessing? That Jesus Christ came and fulfilled it all. Yes, He did. So that you and I might rise up 
and be the church. To be not a denomination, to be not an organization. There may be some organization that is needed. There may be uh, some, some uh, 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 things that we need to put in place, like have a building that we can come together and be equipped in. All of those things are a blessing, but none of that is the church. All of that is tools that the church will use to do what God's called us to do. You are the church. What Aaron did was for everybody, everybody, everybody that was in Israel in covenant with God. So the question tonight is, are you in covenant with God? We have a better covenant, better than anything Abraham had, better than anything Isaiah had, better than anything Moses had, better than anything even Adam had, better than any that David had. The covenant that we have is a better covenant because it was mediated in Hebrews, it tells us, by a better high priest. Aaron did a good job, but there was one who did a better job, and his name was Jesus. And Jesus came not only to offer the sacrifice, but to be the sacrifice. That's better. And he did that so that you and I might have a better covenant built upon better promises, Hebrews says, so that we can be just this, the church. So that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he says, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then what he said, these keys to the kingdom and this authority that I give you for the church is binding and loosing authority. Now you and I know we don't need to bind or loose anything in God's perfect heaven. John's been there Paul's been there. Peter's had visions of it. And that was a third heaven, which tells us there's a second heaven. And the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. Hmm. So there's a demonic strongholds and demonic forces that work in a second heaven. Not God's heaven and not in our earthly heaven because we would see the activity, but there's a second heaven. And he tells us with a Yom Kippur revelation that what Jesus did for us was to give us power, was to break the yoke and lift the burden off of us that we could rise up and be the powerhouse against the gates of hell. And that weapons that he's given us are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds. Why pull them down? Because they're in that second heaven. So now while you are here on earth, you can take authority, he says, and bind what the devil has loosed and it will have to be bound and your power is greater than the devil's power. And whatever the devil is binding and keeping from you, you can stand here in your shoe leather on earth and you can loose it, hallelujah, you can demand it be loose uh, and the devil can't hold your healing and he can't hold your wealth and he can't hold your joy and he can't keep it because the gates of hell cannot prevail against what this church does on this Yom Kippur revelation. So do you get it? Do you get it? 
that Jesus is our sacrifice. Jesus is also our high priest. And Jesus has done the work so that you and I can rise up in His authority and expand His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's why He taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you ready to take authority over your new year? Or are you going to give it to the devil? God wanted us to come and look and rehearse this. We don't have to go through the killing of the animals anymore because Jesus has already shed His blood. But just like we come to the fruit of the grape and the broken bread to be reminded of what Jesus did for us, we come to Yom Kippur to remind, be reminded of what He has accomplished and prepared and purposed for us. And that is that we would be the church that is coming against the gates of hell. So you've got to take authority. Where you stand, where you live, you've got you to bind in the name of Jesus whatever the devil has been loosed over your life, loosed over your neighborhood, loosed over your community, loosed over your children, loosed over your city, loosed over your nation, loosed over the nations of the world. He doesn't, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have the right to do it. He's trespassing. He's violating God-ordained order. And God has put us as the authority figures on this earth to enforce the law. And we whine and complain because nobody's enforcing the law. Holy Ghost, why aren't you enforcing the law? Jesus, why aren't you enforcing the law? Father, why aren't you enforcing the law? He says, I gave you everything you need uh, so that you, by the power of the Spirit of God flowing through you, would be the enforcers of the law. So bind it. Don't allow it. If Satan has loosed something over your life, you bind it in the name of Jesus. And if he's bound things from you and he's keeping them from you, you loose it. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But you've got to bind and loose. You've got to do it. And I'm praying that this young can pour revelation like Peter got and says, Thou art the Christ. You're the one. You're, you're not, you're the Christos. You're the, uh, you're the lamb. You're the goat. You're the, the bull. You're the high priest. You're the altar. You're everything. You, you, you. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. My Father revealed that to you. But upon what you've just said, I'm building my church. That's a young Kimpor revelation. I'm building my church. And the gates of hell will not win. So don't let them win in your life. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, is the soles of our feet Take a standing position. I pray every man and every woman, every boy and every girl under the sound of my voice would also take their spiritual position and say, I stand first and foremost as a servant of the living God. You got to stand as his servant to become his son. He will transition you from servant to sonship. But it begins at servanthood. That's why everyone who confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. That word Lord pictures servitude. I give my life 
I surrender to your rule and reign. You say, well, I want goosebumps and I want good feelings and I want a little giddy down in my belly. Let me tell you what, that stuff will come and go. But what I'm talking about right now will last throughout eternity where you'll stand and say, Jesus, no longer playing. I surrender my life to you. I am here to serve you. I declare your lordship over my life. You are king of kings. You are lord of lords. I'm going to live my life for you. Would you say that to him? Would you dedicate it, consecrate it? I take this divine vow that I'm going to live my life for you, Jesus. And the Bible says that if you will confess His Lordship over your life and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. Sozo, brought into the family, and into the family a son, a daughter, and made whole. You now have the access to all of the privileges of what Jesus has atoned for you. It is yours. It's in your bank account. And by faith, you can appropriate or take hold of each and every piece as you grow in him but that's not the end he said now I've called you all out together ecclesia a church I want you to come together and I want you to be equipped and I want you to be reminded every week and I want you to be sent into the highways and the byways advancing my kingdom coming against the gates of hell because of this Yom Kippur revelation that you have the authority to bind and loose. Don't blame the devil anymore. The devil only gets by with what you let him get by with. The authority has been given to you. But to learn how to use that authority and to walk in the full revelation, God has given us his own internal GPS, Wikipedia, and any and everything else you would ever draw any strength and any wisdom from his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that we can quench him, allow him to just show in part in little or in full. So we are instructed to pray to the Father to be filled, filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That you, Holy Spirit, would have full access and habitation. That I want to lean on you. That I want, to, I want to have you, God, by your Spirit, living in me. For now my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we pray. Would you join me? Father God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. As we move into this new year, as we move into this new season, we want to go forth with the fullness of your power and of your love and of your wisdom. So Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. Teach us to communicate. Teach us to learn. Teach us to listen. Teach us to walk in your power and to walk in your love and the demonstration of heaven on earth. You know what it's like, Holy Spirit. You're a part of heaven here, even on earth, in us. You are our link. So Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill me fresh. Fill me overflowing. I, I, I ask you to forgive me 
for quenching you. I ask you to forgive me for holding you back and keeping you at bay. I need you, Spirit of the living God. Just go ahead and tell them, I need you, Spirit of the living God. I need you in me. I need you working through me. I need your wisdom. I need your anointing. I need your power. I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh and anew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Prepare us as we go into this week and into this weekend and into this year. Prepare us, Lord God. And God, you tell us in your word that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That, that Lord, that we can speak to the mountain and the mountain be cast into the sea. Lord God, we can call that which is not as though it be, and it becomes. There's power, power, Holy Ghost power.